NFT is just a technology that allows people to enhance the relationship between a supplier and a user. Mm-hmm. It's really that that is really the case. If we just break it down to first principles, just thinking about the technology behind it, it just allows digital ownership. And what you do with this digital ownership, whether it's an access token, where's the membership token, is the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Creators of Web3. Today, I have a tremendous honor of getting my brother, my friend, my, ah, I don't know who you are now. Uh, you're just <laughs> you're just like family to me uh, for so many different reasons. Uh, people know you as Zeneca on Twitter. I know you as Roy. Um, but you know what? I'm definitely going to butcher your intro, but you are one of the biggest voices in crypto Twitter right now. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, your project with us? Yeah. Wow. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. I always love chatting with you on or off um, any sort of recording. Uh, yeah. Intro me. Who am I? Where did I come from? That's <laughs> so many big questions. So I got into the whole crypto NFT space. Well, I got into NFTs early 2021. I got into crypto a little bit in 2017, 2018. And then I think like a lot of people, when that bear market hit, it was like, all right, you know, back to real life, um, which for me at the time was, uh, I was a professional poker player. So I did that for like 15 years pre all of this. Um, but I was like, one foot in the door, one foot out the door for like, honestly, the last five, six years. And I was always looking for something else, but nothing ever really came up until early 2021 when NFT sort of became on my radar and crypto was taken off again. Like we all know prices were going up and I was like, you know, this is, I missed it last time. Like I, I missed it in 2011, 2013. I left in 2018 and I just don't want to make the same mistake. And like, clearly this is not a fad. This is not something that's just going to go away. Let me just take some time and really devote my attention to sort of figuring out what's going on in this space. And I just started like falling down the rabbit hole and, you know, 18 months on, I'm still falling. I think like all of us are. Um, actually, you know what? I, I started my journey following your Twitter. It was incredible. The way that you share so selflessly on Twitter is what inspired me to do the same thing, to be vulnerable, to be value driven. And, uh, I actually, you know what? I, I think I told you this before you were one of the first crypto Twitter crush of my wife's. <laughs> She's just like, oh me. my God. It was I, always a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I love Seneca. Like, like, cause in this space, it's so, there, there are so many different types of scammy projects, so many different bad actors. You just don't know who is the real deal. And you're one of the ones that really stuck out to us and, and really allowed us to follow along your path. And, and which is the reason why I'm so, so honored to, to be so, to be able to go on this parallel journey with you. And, uh, I know that when you built Zen Academy was very close to when we dropped the littles, right. It was, I think it was only like two weeks, two weeks apart or something like that. I think so. So we launched early November and I think you were like late November or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I still remember I was calling Crazy. you for help and, uh, yeah. and, and you, that was just a wild period for everyone. I think it was, it was, it was yeah. nuts. It was nuts. And like, you know what? Why don't we dive into that? That is a great story to tell. Uh, share with us about Zen Academy first. Let's uh, let's share with people what this crazy thing that you're building. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So like the idea for Zen Academy came pretty much a year ago. So we're recording this on um, 
July 11th, 2022. And it was around July of 2021 that, you know, I'd been in the space for a while. I was flipping JPEGs. I was, you know, making a bit of money. I was successful. It was hard not to be successful <laughs> at that point in time. You could throw a dart at a mint, anything you mint with five or 10 X. It was the good old days. Um, and, but it wasn't like fulfilling. It wasn't rewarding. I didn't love it. I just come from playing professional poker, which was very competitive, money driven, cutthroat, and and uh, was never felt like I like as a poker player. I never felt like I was adding to society. I never felt the world does not need professional poker players. That's just one thing the world doesn't need. Um, I'm not sure the world needs people flipping JPEGs. Obviously, there's that you know the obviously some amount of um, flipping and trading and activity is, is necessary and healthy and inevitable, but it was just not something that I really want to focus, wanted to continue to focus all my time and energy on. And I'd been like creating content for a little while. I had a newsletter, I'd started a podcast, I started tweeting and had Twitter threads. I enjoyed all of that. And then I had people that would reach out and be like, Hey, I really learned something from your newsletter or thank you for writing that. And you know, that just felt good. You know, it feels nice when, when you help people and when they tell you that. Um, and so I thought maybe I can lean more into that and and more into the content side and pivot away from so much trading and flipping um and then i was like i was thinking about what the space needed and like what 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 kind of thing i could create that was of substance and like i'm not an artist i'm not a dev i'm not a i don't have any of these experiences i've never run a business before so I, i didn't know how to start like a big project or anything like that and i was like well the one thing i do know is is content and helping people and educating and so, you know, I got all these ideas to begin with. I was like, well, what if I just create this one-stop shop where like anyone new to the space, you know, if you have a friend or a family member who's like, hey, you're into NFTs, how do I get started? You could just say, hey, go to Zen Academy. It'll teach you everything. Because currently, like back then, even now, what's the process? It's like, all right, he- he- here are a few YouTube videos people to follow. Here's some Twitter threads and people to follow on Twitter. Um, here's a couple of articles. Join these Discord servers. Um, ask me and then come back and ask me hundred questions. And then it, like the first question people ask is like, what the hell is Discord? Because this is just like, it's a whole other world. Um, so I said, you know, well, maybe I can just create this one-stop shop and that was going to be Zen Academy. And for two or three weeks, I was really, really excited. But then it like, it dawned on me just how monumental of a task it is to create content, not just that covered everything to onboard and covered the history of where NFTs came from, a timeline, the different blockchains, different contract standards, how to launch an NFT project, um, let alone keep it updated. So I was like, all right, that's that's too much. I can't do that by myself. Um, I had like VCs raising, reaching out. Like when I first mentioned the idea, they're like, that's really cool. Do you want to partner up and we'll do something together? And it just never felt right. Not something I wanted to do. Um, so I sort of put a pin in it for a while. But then a couple months later, I had a bunch of time free up. And I thought, let me just rethink my strategy. And instead of launching with this fully fleshed platform, one-stop shop, let me just launch and sort of build from the ground up. And I, I basically said, let me just create a Discord community because that's where everyone hung out and where communities were formed. And from there, we'll just sort of like build community first and iterate and decide the direction we want to go in. Um, you know, because the space is moving so rapidly, I didn't want to have like a specific roadmap or plan and set structure. I said, you know, let's just honestly, it was like a bit of like, hey, trust me. <laughs> um, you know, you've seen the content. If, if you like it, um, buy this membership token. It will allow me to spend all my time away from like what feeling like I need to flip JPEGs and more, more content, more free content, more different types of content and like build out whatever Zen Academy is going to become. And, and 
yeah, we started off with not much, just like a Discord and a dream. Um, and you know, it's been eight months, which is crazy. It's just crazy. It, it it was. I remember when you guys were minting, like it was not an easy path for you guys. It wasn't because you had two tiers of minting. I remember mm, um, yeah. the one we just talked, it was an open mint, open edition. And then the other one was 333, which by the way, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Longest history of the longest mint Ooh. ever. Eight months. I think finally so. Minted out. Um, yeah. I still remember that your minting strategy was very, very controversial, specifically mm. around the pricing. And can you share a little bit about that part? Um, the, the rationale behind it, the story behind it, and really the challenges that came along with the decision of setting those prices? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I went back and forth for weeks, you know, a month, month and a half, figuring out how I wanted to price both tiers secondary market royalties, you know, all of this stuff. I'm sure you went through it as well. I know you went through it as well. Um, every project does. So at the time, like you said, there's two tiers. The one that I spoke about, like the Zen Academy membership token, I decided, um, so we were, this was in November last year and there were a lot of uh, a lot of gas wars. Um, gas was just really high at the time. Um, there was a lot of like mint lists, white lists, you know, projects that were, you know, people were grinding for them. And I just, wanted to avoid all of that. So I said, let's do an open edition. So like over a period of two weeks, um, anyone can come and mint however many they want. Um, it's an ELC 1155. So it's basically just a membership token. Everyone has the same. And uh, gas was very optimized. You know, it didn't cost that much whether you minted one or 10 as ELC 1155s are. Um, and so that was great. We, we had about six and a half thousand minted. Um, and then we reserved some for the, the company. And that was, I'm very happy with how that went. There wasn't really much at all in the way of backlash for that price. I think, I think people were happy with it. It's hard to be too upset with that. I think, I think sometimes with open editions, there's a little bit of skepticism, but you know, it was an experiment like, like almost everything everyone does in this space. Um, but the, the controversy came around the 300, the 333 club, which I decided to sell at 3.33 ETH. Now, why threes? I mean, everyone asks me why threes. It's nothing crazy. There's no numerology. It's like when I started my Twitter account, Zeneca was taken. Um, I was 33 years old at the time. So let me just go Zeneca 33. And then I just like ran with that theme. Um, and so I thought, yeah, let's just, you know, I, I thought like one ETH, do I do a Dutch auction? I didn't want to do a Dutch auction. Um, it, honestly, I asked friends, I asked people in the community that might be interested. Um, and it seemed like there would be enough interest at that price. And I just kind of, I, I felt like I could deliver enough value um, for it. So like the whole concept of the 333 Club came about because I was advising and consulting projects for a few months. Um, and I had a, a lot more demand and a lot more people ask me to be an advisor. I still do. Then I can realistically advise on like maybe two or three projects maximum at any given time. Can I be an advisor for? Cause being an advisor requires, you know, several hours a week working on their project, helping them strategy, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, what if I create a club, a community where I can dedicate and devote less time, still some amount of time to everyone in the club. Um, but instead of like five hours or a few hours a week per project, you know, maybe an, a call here and there with, with community members. Um, and more importantly, the, the community itself would form around like a community of builders, project founders, people looking to launch and create things in this space who could then learn from each other and um, from each other's experiences. And I was like looking at like the amount that projects were like, offering to pay me to be an advisor and that I was charging. And then like uh, doing some math and thinking, well, 3.33 ETH is actually quite reasonable compared to being an advisor, um, especially if you consider A, it's a lifetime membership. So you, th there's no expiration on it. Um, 
B, it's a relatively limited quantity, 333, when most projects at the time were 10K. Um, but I understand I mean, the controversy was I was not offering a lot. I, again, I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't say I'm delivering the world. There's no product or utility. It was almost an experiment in tokenizing my time. Um, and so, yeah, there's a decent amount of FUD around it. And, and, you know, every project has FUD. That's inevitable. And there were certainly times where I was like, oh, did I make a mistake? Should I have priced it differently? All that kind of stuff. Should I have not even done it? And, and it was also at a time ETH was at all time highs. It was like 4,500 ish. Um, gas was at all time high. So it was not the most, not the best time to launch, but, and, and you know, we, we had a slow mint again, like it took us eight min- eight months to really mint out. Um, but that was like kind of by design. And, yeah, I wouldn't change it. I, I don't think I would change it. Sometimes I think about how things might be different if I only did Zen Academy and not the or the other, other way around, or did one first and then the other. Um, like Proof is a good example. They did the Proof first and then Moonbirds. Um, or if we did instead of 333, we did like 1,000. Again, that's like Proof, Admit 1. That's kind of like the, the status number or the status quo number. But all things considered, I'm extremely happy with where we're at. And, and we have a lot more options available to us now. Whereas if you start with a thousand, it's hard to go back with 333. We can always scale up if we want. It's, it's incredible because I had to witness the, the criticisms that you had to endure during that time. And I'm like, no way in hell do I ever want to be in that position. And hmm. knowing you personally, I'm like, and I, I understood where you came from. And the backlash of people saying that, like, oh, it was a cash grab and everything. I'm like, well, you know what? People do pay tens of thousands of dollars for advisory. So in essence, it's not really for you. If it's not a fit, then don't buy it. It's not right. And there's a lot of people that are seeking for help that are willing to pay tens of thousands of dollars just for a meeting. Case in point. I bought a V friends, uh, one of those FaceTime grasshoppers, just mm. so then that way I can FaceTime with Gary V. And yeah. that thing was like, what, 50 G's just for like that, That's amazing. that JPEG. And I felt like that if I could bring the littles to his radar, mm. the return that I get is tenfold of my yeah. investment. And on top of that, as you said, you own the NFT for life there is inherent value for the NFT, which if you believe in the founders and their ethics and their vision, then you would know they'll continue to drive value to that token as it continues to develop and as the project continues to solidify, foundations are being built. So all in all, like I I was really bought into it, but then to see that it, it really hurt. Like I'm like, oh damn, I wish I could be there. But I didn't really understood the gravity of it until we were minting ours. And, and for me, like, I felt like that it didn't make sense for us to mint at anything lower than 0.125. And yet people were always like giving comments and whatnot and like fighting. And, and for me, I never had to deal with that type of sentiment. It was always nice. It was really supportive all the time. But then once, you know, when it, it comes to mint price, I'm like, well, there is the demand for it. And mm. I think that there was value that was that was equal, but people, everyone wants things to be at a discount. No one wants to pay for more, right? Yeah. But then we see other projects that are led by other teams that didn't didn't care about their reputation, didn't care about how it feels, and they would do a a, a two ETH Dutch auction. They would do like you know point at one point in time during December or January, it was always like what point two five ETH yeah. per mint or point five ETH to mint or one ETH to mint. It was nuts. And yet people were not complaining. And um, 
So for you yeah. to step in uh, at that time to share with me what was the right thing to do uh, and to allow me to know that there is someone who understands what it, it takes to get through something like that. And for you, I still remember very vividly where after we minted, um, there were a bunch of people jumping into our Discord and just like flaming us or like, hey, why 0.2125 and stuff like very, very unwarranted uh, trolls. And you came in um, and just settled the community because you once you enter any discord like you demand a presence there right <laughs> so uh i was so thankful and uh and it just shows a lot of your reputation and and also the the type of person you really are so just want to say thank you once again seneca roy uh really appreciate that no i mean it was my absolute pleasure i think no i i absolutely believed it i i think i remember thinking of your min price and and what i was definitely thinking and saying at the time was you could have easily gone for a much higher mint price and sold out. Like there was enough hype and demand around the project around mint. I have very little doubt you would have sold out um, if you went at 0.3, for instance. Um, mm. So it, to me, it seemed crazy that there was, I mean, obviously there's always going to be fart and people unhappy, but I was just trying to get through to that point to people about like, Hey, we should be applauding um, the project founders who decide to go with a lower mint price than they could have and, and almost guaranteed a mint out. It's like, it, at the end of the day, everyone would say, well, I want to, well, like we're in the free mint met, meta now, but back then it wasn't a thing, but like, oh, make it 0.05, make it 0.04, make it 0.08, make it cheaper and cheaper for them. Um, and I, I get it that everyone buying wants some, you need to price it low enough so that there's room for secondary market activity. And so those who mint have the opportunity to, to profit and, and make make money, um, see some price appreciation. That's certainly the meta, but that happened. Like the floor price went up significantly. And, and I think that everyone was sort of validated. Everyone who minted has had, you know, a thousand opportunities to sell at multiples of the, the mint price. So to me, that that's a, just a clear indication that it was priced well and adequately and certainly on the lower end, um, as opposed to, like you said, all these Dutch auctions or projects that we're, we're in an interesting place right now and it brings up a larger discussion about like should mint price basically be fair market value and and like you know projects now mint at say 0.5 and then the floor is at 0.5 and it just stays there and it's i don't, I don't know if it's good or better or, or right or wrong or where that middle ground is it's just like an interesting evolution of the space but certainly at the time of little's minting um 0.125 was again low you could have demanded a lot higher yeah, well, looking back, I I actually really liked the the price that we 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 set it mm. at. It was at a price where, as you said, people that wanted to exit, they can have like times four, five x, and uh, multiple different opportunities. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't give me too much pressure. Uh, mm. Like you, when we minted, it was no roadmap whatsoever. Right. And I told yeah. them that you're minting a, an art based project. And if you're okay with minting an art based project with this price, then you know what? Go ahead. If not, please don't. Um, and, yeah. and at the very least, like, like we can sleep well at night. And uh, I'm like, I yeah. agree. That's the biggest thing. Like, and not to say we're not taking the funds to, to develop, like, we have major plans with what we are developing, like the animation with Time Studio, the game coming up real, real soon. Yeah. Um, and multiple different things that we're working on as well. So, um, you know, making sure that we have the right values and drive with that. Now, question for you. Um, what was one of the biggest challenges that you faced as a founder from the last eight months? I feel really 
fortunate in that I haven't been faced with anything calamitous or catastrophic or awful or anything like that. Probably the biggest challenge has just been learning how to manage a team slash delegate. And I think because I was coming from a place where it was like me and my content and I started Discord, just me and the project was very much, I didn't have a team really. We had uh, like, like not, not anywhere near like what I had now as the Discord started rolling out, you know, I got moderators and I got a community manager and, and, and we started growing from there. And, but now there's, you know, eight part-time team members plus eight mods actually. And in the next few months, we're, we're going to transition into other team members coming on full-time as we go like the next phase of Zen Academy. But, you know, I was always, again, as a professional poker player, I never worked for anyone. I never worked with anyone. I was very much, you know, uh, alone, a loner, you know, <laughs> I did things by myself and I always was comfortable with that and you had to do that. And so it's been a whole learning experience, having meetings, having team meetings, having one-to-ones with team members and just like checking in with how they're doing and, and, you know, are they happy? Are they um, would they like to be doing some other role? Um, are they doing things the way that, like, am I happy? Am I happy with the level of work that they're doing? Because at the end of the day, in many instances, they're representing me and or Zen Academy, which is my project. And I've like tied myself to the brand so much that um, I have to be, and I'm very fortunate that like the team is amazing and I've found such tremendous people. Um, but it, it was really a challenge and a learning process, sort of taking that leap of faith and, and like letting go of control and being, you know what, I'm not going to be talking to every project myself and, and finding all the collabs and then the mint list giveaways and posting them in the discord. Um, I'm okay delegating that. And I'm, I might not be writing every tweet that comes from the Zen Academy Twitter account. We have Emily who runs the account now and she's, you know, and, and it took a while to sort of wrap my head around that and, and get over that, that hurdle of losing control. Um, as I'm sure every like, you know, entrepreneur or business owner or project founder goes through for the very first time at least. Um, and, and, you know, the aha moment for me was when I realized, and it's so obvious in hindsight, but it's like, sure, I know how to do things the way I want and I'm good, competent at them. Um, but, and, and it's a little scary to, to delegate, but then it's like realizing, you know, not only can other people do these things as well as me, they can do things way better. Like there are people who are experts at that. And it's like, okay, so let them shine, let them, you know, execute on a way higher level and, and new skills that I don't even have. Um, so I can focus on what I'm good at and, and the things that I enjoy doing and can really add value to the whole project community space. Um, so that's, that's, that was probably the biggest challenge. And I think like for the first two or three months, it was, it was tricky and I still tried to do everything. Like I remember, you know, I, I hired people and brought people onto the team but I would still like almost micromanage or just try and, and do too much. But, um, you know, we're in a really good place now. Again, eight months on. What a great problem to have. That's a tremendous problem to have if that is one of your biggest struggles, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. It, Again, like I said, I'm very, everything has been, yeah, uh, it, I'm very fortunate. Just there's no two ways about it. I think to you're just being very, very modest and, and humble because you, you, the way that you built your community and the, your project was very value driven and very, very much aligned with who you are as a person, um, super authentic. And, and, and that itself attracts the right group of people. And therefore, the incentives are all aligned and people see the vision of what you're trying to build out. And these are all things that I think um, you knowing it or not it is what makes you such a great founder uh, for this project, right? Um, and and so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's just lucky. And hmm. second thing is uh, when we're talking about uh, team delegation and, uh, and trusting people, um, that is one thing that a lot of founders struggle with because time management is, is such a big 
art, I would say, mm. even a science yeah. when it comes down to for founders, because in this space, you're being pulled 10 million places, even for chat platforms alone, Discord, Slack, email, yeah. Twitter, it's crazy. Telegram, WhatsApp, iMessage, like literally everyone uses something different. And, and, yeah. and you need to make sure that you're there for your team, whether it's overseas that, you know, like you're working with people all around the world. Like right now, my time is like 530 for you. It's 830 for someone else is probably in the morning or like, and you need to be um, going to their schedule and whatnot. So uh, long story short, time management is definitely a real thing. Uh, something that has helped me personally is time blocking aside from delegation. Mm. Time blocking really helps just setting time yeah. blocks in your schedule to uh, accomplish one or two tasks a day, big, the big, ugly frogs that you need to swallow every single yeah. day, uh, assign time for it. And whether or not you do take those time for it at the very least, when you look at your calendar, it's a really good reminder for you to be accountable for mm -hmm. yourself. Just a little tip out there. Uh, and also a book that I do want to recommend when it comes down to delegation and team building is E-Myth by revisited by Michael Gerber, one of the best books that I personally have read that taught me how to build systems that taught me the difference being an entrepreneur, a manager and a technician, right? We mm. all put on multiple different hats at different times, and we cannot always be working in the business, but rather we need to be working on the business. And that's what allows that. us to expand ourselves and to copy and paste ourselves to many different, um, open editions. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. Um, I'm going to have to track that book down. You know, I've, I used to read so much and I just haven't over the last year, but I, I really need to get back into the habit because it's, you know, it's, it's one of the best things you can do with your time. Oh, totally. It, it, it calms me down. It allows me to be able to um, think at the same time, critically mm. think. And I think that's what is so precious for um, people in this space is to have the moments for yourself to think mm -hmm. that is yeah. so, so key. I'm not sure if people realize because the, the, re the problem in the space is that there's so much different noise and people that are from, let's say university or even high school can have a voice. People who are, have nothing to do with business can have a voice. People who have been CEOs for decades can have a voice. And so you really don't know where the feedback is coming from, what the intent is and who it's coming from. So then that way, these recommendations, these criticisms are, you just don't know what is the right thing. And add on top of that, of other people who are just finding it as an entertainment, uh, just continue yeah. to troll, like you get buried in, in voices. So being able to set time aside to critically think and see past the voice to see what you're trying to really build here is so critical for the success of the business uh, and the project. So um, something that I definitely need to uh, practice a little <laughs> bit more than I preach. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't agree more. That's, I mean, all of what you just said, it's, it's, it's so important. And yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to throw some nuggets to our audience and uh, our, our, our listeners who potentially want to create their project and whatnot. I wanted to ask you about, aside from building, you know, building beautiful stuff, guys, make sure you guys check out the Zen Academy. Um, I'm very curious about what you see. There's two things that I'm curious about. First of all, where you see this uh, NFT market transforming into in the next six months, in the next year. And as a follow-up question, 
which I'll ask again later on. We can you can give me the answer first. Is why art blocks? I know you're a big fan <laughs> of art blocks. But yeah. We'll end with that. Okay, we'll end with that one. But let's start yeah. with six to twelve months. What's up with the NFT market? What what do you see? Yeah, that's it's such a good and difficult question because again, obviously nobody knows. So obviously long term. I'm extraordinarily bullish on NFTs as a technology. You are probably anyone listening most likely is. I'm in a unique position because I get to, and I, I, I chat to like founders and, and people who are working on projects like that are behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about. Like every single, like weekdays, Monday to Friday, I'm always hearing about these amazing, amazing projects. Like just yesterday I heard about this thing, which I can't talk about, but it's so cool. And it's, it's, it's like going to be, out to market in a month. So it's like a physical thing that, that ties NFTs to the real world. I'll just say that. Um, and I think that the, the trader in me thinks that like we're probably going to trend sideways for probably six months. I think that the macro market is so precarious and obviously NFTs live with inside the crypto market, which lives within the, the, the whole macro market. So as bullish as I can be and am and we can be on NFTs, even short, medium, long-term, we're sort of hamstrung by like, the, if people have, if inflation is high, if people are out of a job, they need to put food on the table. It's like the whole Maz's loves hierarchy of needs thing. So, and, and like JPEGs are very low on, on, on the, um, the, the, the pyramid. So, or high, the, the one that's, it's less important. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I think, I think in six to 12 months, we're going to see some things that are going to blow people's minds and really bring real world utility. In. Look, I, I think one of the issues is that most projects now, they're, they're trying to fix problems that don't exist. And, and people say this is a complaint. I don't look at it as, as a, a bad thing. I think it's people just experimenting with the technology. It's just like, you got to figure out what works, what doesn't, even if, you know, even if something isn't improved by NFTs, you can rule it out. You can say, oh, okay, it doesn't, didn't work for that or it didn't work for that right now. We tried it. So I think we're going to see a lot more experimentation over the next six, 12 months. Um, I don't think we'll see mainstream adoption. I think like whatever that is and whatever that means that we're still a few years away um, for NFTs as a technology. It's just like education needs to get a lot better and infrastructure especially needs to get a lot better. The UI UX just isn't even close to being there for, for most people. Um, so I don't know if I properly answered that. I've just rambled, but I think like six or 12 months is it's almost going to be like, I would say business as usual, like where we are right now, we might see like small bull and, and, and bear market cycles with it, like w over the next 12 months. But I don't think um, we see anything uh, crazy, but from a technology side, we'll see some pretty cool things. Yeah. I actually very much agree with you. And uh, I speak to a lot of founders who are building behind the scenes as well. So mm. I'm incredibly bullish in the space that it's not going to just disappear overnight. Um, and I think that what captures the most noise in the marketplace right now and is obviously the PFP projects. Mm. And like, it's just noise completely irrelevant to where the the technology of NFTs, non-fungible tokens is really going. Because if we really break it down, uh, NFT is just a technology that allows people to enhance the relationship between a supplier and a user. Mm -hmm. It's really that, that is really the case. If we just break it down to first principles, just thinking about the technology behind it, it just allows digital ownership and what you do with this digital ownership, whether it's an access token, where's the membership token is the possibilities are endless. Yeah. And so uh, the way that we're uh, to, to put it into a little bit more of a case study, right? So for the, for the littles, for example, 
And if we're talking about a PFP project, how can we utilize NFTs? Well, we study Web2 companies and Web2 IP brands, like for example, Hello Kitty, Pokemon, um, any of the big IPs. Um, they have like people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars supporting these brands, yet they have zero type of reward mechanics or loyalty mm -hmm. program. Now NFT is what allows people to, or brands to give the loyalty back to the people that support them. And that's yeah. exactly what I see NFTs are, is as we build out our animation arm, as we build out the gaming arm, as we build out our in real life merch collectible arm, these three pillars, these are foundational pieces. And as we continue to build is what we can, we can add back value to the people that hold and support us from the day one. What does that look like? Well, as we continue to develop the project, as more and more work is being done, foundations are being built. That's when we can give more and more value to the holders, not just airdrop magic internet money to the holders <laughs> and expect them yeah. to be worth something. That I think that is long gone in, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, because as we continue to develop, that's just not feasible. The money needs to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, so for, uh, for example, like if people really appreciated our merch and all of a sudden, if you buy one of our tokens at what, a hundred bucks, now you get every season, you get merch dropped to you. Well, each one of the merch would be worth 120 bucks or something like that. That itself is tremendous value. And on top of that, mm -hmm. you get access to a community that we're building to many different types of perks that we can, um, make sure that we give back to our hardcore followers in the future or as we continue to build right so definitely not a, a short-term thing and definitely a long-term thing to this and this is only from a pfp angle let alone the real life tangible utility where yeah. i feel like that either there would be celebrities that really blow up the nft game completely free to mint or like a few bucks to mint something so then that way they really open up the funnel get everyone into the into the family and then have different tiers of access mm -hmm. that or a very limited amount of supply, a few hundred, a few thousand to really serve a specific niche that it serves. I think those are the two big extremes yeah. that we continue to pull towards. Uh, whereas like a 10 K PFP project would become harder and harder to, to build, uh, as for the next six to 12 months. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It, it, that's sort of the, the relationship between, creator and, and collector, creator and consumer, creator and, and fan is really where the magic happens with the whole technology. Something I've been like, um, I've mentioned a few times over the last couple of weeks is like, imagine, let's say you're a huge Taylor Swift fan. You get a, like a bunch of her concerts, but, and, and the tickets are NFTs. And then, so she can now at the end of a year, look back and see how many people have attended how many concerts and maybe i don't know how many concerts she has a year I, I have no idea but let's say she says all right anyone who's attended 10 or more concerts and there's like you know 40 people in that bucket whoever however many there are we're going to have a special concert just for you and that's like that's insane utility like those people will go crazy for a private taylor swift concert it's exclusive it's rewarding loyalty like those are people you know they're already clearly big fans and it's just rewarding them for already, you know, buying the tickets and supporting and it's, you know, and maybe she does like, all right, and we'll give out 10 extra passes randomly to anyone else. It's just the, the magic of NFTs. You can do kind of anything with them. So it's, it's so cool.
man we're definitely gonna jam after this i want to know about that project <laughs> you're like i can't tell but I'll tell yeah, you yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and likewise um great luckily I, i i shared with you my last question because i was about to forget before we wrap up why art blocks i'm always like on the sidelines and i'm like i'm so i'm such a bad art blocks fan i sold my chromie my spiegels um f5e i was just i am so well bad. i mean if you sold them like when eth was anywhere <laughs> higher than it is now like even in like in usd terms squiggles are like pretty much close to all-time lows still um oh, that's true which is yeah so but so artblox is interesting in that it's been it's repriced in usd terms i think more than any other asset in the nft space so like eth has crashed but then artblox prices in eth have gone up considerably um anyway why artblox it's just it i'm a fan of generative art first and foremost and it's it's something that i found very early on i was fortunate the second nft i ever minted was an artblox piece because i just one of the friends that introduced me to nft said hey here's a minting site uh, i think that you know if we mint these you could probably flip them for a few x in a couple of months you know th that was obviously like th the thing that drew me and that draws most people into the space to begin with is making money and so like that's that's how i got but it put artblocks on my radar and then like i would check into the discord every now and then and look for upcoming projects and then track the floor prices and be like oh i could have minted that and flipped it for 5x immediately and so that, that again hooked me in and and you know made me pay more attention and as time went on i just spent more and more time in this community of people who were passionate about art and appreciating art and i grew to become passionate about art and appreciating art specifically generative art and it's it's a story that is you know so many people have gone through this journey whether it is with art blocks or with one of one art or just any sort of art really it's like I, i never would have imagined myself as someone that was an art appreciator and then here i am and i think a lot of people come for the money stay for the art stay for the community um and i, I just think that generative art and specifically art blocks has so much going for it that it's like it's a perfect merging of art and technology and it's where nfts and the blockchain are you are creating something like generative art on the blockchain is created in a way that is literally not possible without blockchain technology because the piece of art is created at the time of mint and it is created in collaboration or like with some element of input from the collector so when i click mint on on the artblocks website it takes a transaction hash created from like my unique wallet and the time of day like all these random things but like the transaction has the transaction hash is fed into an algorithm which then spits out a unique random piece of art that the artist doesn't know exactly what it's going to look like they've created the art and up, they've created the code uploaded that to the blockchain but then the art can't be created without the collector going and clicking mint and buy and so that's not possible without the blockchain and it's literally it's like created on at that moment and stored on the chain forever at that moment and the provenance is there and it's this just magical thing that the more you learn and understand about it and the more you look into like art history and like different forms of art and like generative art has been around since the 60s but it's always been this niche and it's the way it used to work was that you know a generative artist would create a system or write code and generate outputs and maybe they generate 
hundreds or thousands and they'd pick their favorite 10 and then sell those as prints probably. Blockchain and, and uh, NFTs has allowed for what's called long form generative art where now an artist creates code that can uh, support an output of let's say a thousand different unique outputs which in order for it to be quote unquote good generative art they all have to look good like it's, it's no use creating code that spits out a thousand where only 20 of them look good like in the past they could spit out a thousand 20 look good they think okay i'll take the 20 and sell those no you're literally selling every single one so it's a different approach and it's unique and it's just like it's pushing the 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 whole industry forward and i think i don't know i'm just i could speak about it all day long and an art blocks as a platform like obviously generative art is is a much larger thing and it's a, a genre that there are other platforms there's fx hash and tezos there's gen.art um all these you know artbox competitors and, and you know almost like well a rising tide lifts all ships it's not necessarily competitors but um artblock specifically i think is just at the heart and um soul of it it's bet on people right like bet on founders that you believe in the founder of artblocks snowfro eric is there's no human on earth, I think, I would, who I've never met. <laughs> There's no human on earth that I would bet it bet on more than him. Just listening to him speak, hearing him talk, reading his words, it is true that he is incredibly smart and has such a deep conviction and more than anything, he's just a good human being. So I think I'm I'm happy to like die on this hill, hitch my wagon to art blocks. Wow. Financially, socially, reputationally, everything. If it goes down, I'll go down with it. Um, <laughs> but I doubt that that will ever happen. I'm, I'm, and more than anything, it's fun. Like I have never had more fun in this NFT space and hanging out in the block talk channel and the art blocks discord with other people who are just there to have fun, look at art, appreciate art meme. It's like, it's a whole other world. Like it's, it's away from the toxic PFP meme shit projects and roadmaps and utility. And, and like, those are great and have a place and time and place, but it's like an oasis, the art blocks discord and the FX hash discord. It's just, wow. Oh my I God. could rave and rave on, on it even more, but yeah. What out of the whole art blocks, which ones are your top three? And oh, that's an impossible question. <laughs> impossible. Okay, fine. How about the alpha? Share with us alpha that you think a uh, collection that is like severely underpriced right now. That's also really difficult. As, uh, I, I would have been easy to answer, I think, two or three weeks ago, but art blocks at the moment is going through like a bit of a pump. So a lot of collections have pumped. And if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if we're at like a bit of a local top right now because sure, there's a lot of attention. Artblocks is pumping, but like I said before, you have to look at it in the macro environment. Eventually, like it, it's a, it's it's similar to last year when Artblocks had a blow off top in August, but the macro environment is very different. So um, I'll, maybe I'll answer the first one because I don't want to call any collection undervalued, but uh, let's okay, my three favorites. Um, I re obviously Fidenza is just like the it's impact it is the 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 gold the diamond standard it's, it's hard to imagine chromie squiggle is one that i didn't get at first and you know i think a lot of people didn't and don't because you look at it at a cursory look um it's just like it's just a colorful squiggle doesn't seem that impressive um, there's ten thousand of them the supply is huge but when you dig into it again it's by eric it's by snowfro it's by the founder of art blocks it's a logo of art blocks um it's a proof of concept it's it's just and there's a lot of there's a crazy amount of diversity if you really dig into the the collection and traits. For um, me, for, for for that yeah. collection in particular, I didn't see the appeal until I know that when you click on it, it actually <laughs> it's animated, animated, and I'm like, whoa, it, this is so cool. 
if you press space bar, it changes the background. The, the real alpha is you get a chromey squiggle that has a black background and it's animated. It looks great. It looks so oh much goodness. better. It looks so yeah. good here. <laughs> yep. There you go. There you go. Um, and one more collection. I really love Ecumenopolis by Joshua Bagley. Um, it's this, it, it's almost like this, it's like Opolis is like this city futuristic style, but it's hard to explain. Like, you know, it, yeah, just go look it up. Like the, the thing with Artbox is it's, it's difficult to explain until you look at it. And even then in many instances, um, it's difficult to appreciate until you like dig into it and research it and understand the, the art, um, the artist behind it and, and the, the intention behind it. Um, and in many instances, like actually understand what it's capable of. Like, is it animated? Is it interactive? Like the squiggle, a lot of people don't love them, but then you, you animate it, you change the background color. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that's different. That's better. There's a lot of them that are interactive and animated that a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, anyway, th those are three. I honestly <laughs> before, have like 50. Before we, yeah. we nerd out and, uh, and make put everyone to sleep, um, hmm. uh, this just proves the NFT technology and how much of a use case there is across collectible art towards gaming to a PFP membership like yours. Mm -hmm. and, and this is just scratching the surface of the real use cases, let alone being able to use these NFT technology in our daily lives, right? So um, really, really pumped for it. I'm really glad that we're both aligned on, on the future of this technology. And um, once again, really thank you for your time, um, Zeneca, Roy. Um, any final words to our listeners? Uh, advice for other founders? Well, yeah. First of all, thank you so much again for having me. It's it's always a pleasure. Final words, advice. I think um, don't be too hard on yourself, like especially for founders. I mean, I think founders are in a unique spot in the space where a lot of the times you don't want to show weakness um, if you have a community um, and you don't have too many people to talk to because no one really gets it except for other founders and people on that side who've been through a project um, and it, and, and just know it is incredibly difficult to launch a project, to launch a successful project, to sustain a successful project, all of these things. It's, it, it takes a remarkable amount of, of work, um, a huge amount of luck, um, product, product market fit. There's just so many things that have to go right and, and know that honestly, it's even more cutthroat than, than, the traditional startup world or other businesses where like, I would say again, 95, 99% of projects, they, they struggle, they fail. It's like, we look at open you look at any marketplace. And, and you, if you look at projects that are like, you know, floor price is but one metric, but a lot of people, you know, evaluate projects based on that. But whatever metrics you look at, if, if you look at OpenSea and look at the collections um, and like try and decide which ones you objectively are like successes and which are, are, are failures, um, to be blunt, um, maybe it's not that crazy. Maybe it's 90%. Who knows? What a lot of people don't see is the the, the countless number of projects that, you know, that people put months of work into it and then they just can't market it. They can't get it out there. Maybe they only get 20 minutes, 50 minutes, hundred minutes. No one even hears about them. Maybe they decide not to go ahead at the last minute. You know, th there's a ton of projects every single week that don't see the light of day um, that I get to see. Cause you know, I'm on the back end and I'm talking to founders and you know, it's tough. It's really is tough, but like the, the, the things you learn, the experience you get, even attempting to launch a project, whether you fail or succeed, um, is going to just put you in a remarkable position to launch the next one, to launch the one after that, to, to be a participant, to be an investor, to whatever you want to do in this space. Um, you get a unique perspective. So it just, 
don't be too hard on yourself uh, as a founder or even as a, whoever you are, just forgive yourself. That's my advice. What a great, great way and advice to everyone else out there. Like it's, uh, it's hard when there are so many, so much noise in the marketplace once again, and, and one or two comments can, can really like paralyze you. Uh, mm. Like you just take it to heart. Um, I don't know about you, but I take it to heart and it's, it's a hard yeah. time. Like, because these are people that have maybe spent a few minutes looking at your project, but you have been building it for months, your uh, blood, sweat, tears, everything. And, uh, and it, it, you're right. Like have some more grace for yourself because, um, mm. you deserve everything. The fact that you're taking action to go and create something that deserves everything already. So yes, guys forgive yourself. <laughs> there you go. Um, how can we, how can people find you? How can people follow you? Um, please share with us. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Zeneca underscore 33. Um, if you want to find out about Zen Academy, it's zenacademy.com. Um, and from there we have a Git book. We have the Twitter account from there. Um, we're on YouTube. That's, that's like a big focus that I'm trying to push for the second half of this year. Um, we haven't really started yet, but depending on when this, this goes out, maybe we'll have more content coming out, but yeah, check us out on YouTube, just search as an Academy. Um, or if you go to the website, you'll be able to find the links, but yeah, we'll put, all the, links, we'll put all yeah. the links in the description below. But once again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, much appreciate this and uh, make sure you guys, um, go comment, go subscribe and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week.